Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66. We are, by the providence and guidance of God, at a very hard section of Scripture this week. In these seven verses, Jesus loses just about everyone who is following him, except for the twelve apostles. Yes, the greatest preacher who ever lived had church splits. The words he has spoken to the people have cut to the core. You see, they want to do something to be justified. They want religion. And Jesus has told them something hard. Religion kills, but the Spirit, the Spirit gives life. And so today, as we look at these verses together, I want you to ask yourself, why am I following Jesus? And then ask yourself, do I believe that my capacity to be holy is reliant upon my own talents and abilities, or is it wholly upon Jesus? John chapter 6, verse 60, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus had just been telling them there has to be a very intense partaking of the gospel, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Not literally, not, not that communion saves, but that you have to be, you have to get really close. You have to, you have to believe with all your heart that this is, this is necessary. Doing religious things, getting into exercises and showing your, your religious piety by bowing and genuflecting, by giving, by serving, those things don't matter when it comes to salvation. It's only by an intense relationship with God, by actually knowing who God is. And the people say, that's just too hard. Who can hear this? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? What? And if you will see the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? Verse 63, fellas, <laughs> it's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, I say unto you, no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Verse 6, John six sixty six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. So a hard saying. Many of his disciples, verse 60, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear this? Up until now, we've been focusing on the Jewish leaders. They are the ones who've been giving Jesus the hard time. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. But now it's the disciples' turn to disagree with Jesus. 
His own disciples disagreed with him. And that's really not an unusual thing because, let's be honest, the wounds that hurt the most are the wounds from those who are closest to us. Psalm 55, 12, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was he that hated me that magnified himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, walked into the house of God and company. You know, there's not always agreement when it comes to the gospel. And these disciples had their feelings hurt. Sound familiar? This is a hard saying. You're hurting my feelings, Jesus. This is rough. This is violent. This is offensive. It's intolerable what you're saying. Listen, folks, there's a lot of hard sayings in the Bible. And we don't agree with all of them. But we need to believe and accept all of them. There are things in the Bible I don't like. But I believe them because they're part of God's Word. And if I find myself disagreeing with the Bible, I have to come to the realization that whenever I disagree with God or His Word, I'm always the one who's wrong. But men stiffen their necks, and they refuse to bow their will to the Master. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said, does this offend you? What? Is it going to take seeing the Son of Man ascend up to where He was before? He knew in Himself He knew in himself that they were murmuring. There's his omnipotence. He is the all-knowing God. He is always thinking about you. He is always, get this, reading your mind. There's not a thought that ever goes through your mind that cannot be heard by God. He knows everything going on. Proverbs 17.3, the finding pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tries the hearts. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not pleasing men, but God, who tries our hearts. God knows our hearts. And He knows when you're offended at His word. So the question is, what's it going to take to change your heart? Jesus gives an example. You don't believe me now, just wait. You know? I mean, you know, many believe only half of what Jesus said. One day, everyone will believe everything Jesus said because he's God from heaven and every knee is going to bow. These folks were offended that he said he came down for heaven. And he said, well, what's it going to take? Me ascending for you to believe? As a matter of fact, that's what it would take. Even his brothers and sisters, the Lord's own half-brothers and half-sisters, the, the, the children born to Mary and Joseph after the Lord's birth, they refused to believe until after his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus said, so, I mean, I said I come down from heaven, that offends you. If you see me ascend up into heaven, is that going to help? And it actually was what needed to happen for some of them to believe. And so he gives an explanation, verse 63. He says, listen, folks, it's the spirit that quickens. That word quickens means made alive. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, there was this great misunderstanding. Jesus had to explain himself so clearly because the disciples could not understand spiritual ideas. He's not talking about literal flesh. You have to eat my flesh. You have to drink my blood. And they can't figure out that he's being figurative, that he's giving an illustration, that he's trying to show the depth and level of commitment 
to Christ that has to happen for salvation to happen. That, that, that you know, it's it's not just a say it with your mouth and then suddenly magically you become saved. You have to actually believe this stuff. The spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. You see, what was going on is that these disciples were looking for a work to do. They were looking for some way they could please God. And Jesus' explanation is this. Only the Spirit of God can give life. Your flesh, it's wicked, fellas, and you can't please God with the works of your flesh. Ephesians 2.1 says, You, has He quickened, made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was nothing you did that made you alive in Christ, nothing you did that gained you eternal life. It was He who gave you eternal life. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is like filthy rags, and we all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's no one good on this earth. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Next time you get mad at the preacher for saying something about your particular sin, remember, he's not being holier than you. He's just telling you what the Bible says. He's just as much a sinner as you. There's no one on this earth who is a greater person than the other when it comes to sin, uh, someone who's much holier than another. We're all sinners. And it is only the Spirit of God that can make us alive. We cannot do anything. Jesus said, my words are spirit. The words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. Romans 7.14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, I'm sold under sin. The words of Jesus are spiritual. Philippians 2.16 says it's the word of life. The word of life. It is only the words of Jesus Christ. It is only the work He did on the cross that can save you. Verse 64, But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And then he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man could come to me except it were given of my Father. But I already know who's not going to believe. This is the omnipotence of Jesus. Now listen, I don't know you. I might know you. You might be one of my friends listening to this podcast right now. But even if I know you personally, I don't know if you're saved. All I can take is your word for it. If your heart is deceiving you, you might not know if you're saved. But I do know this. Jesus knows whether or not you're one of his children. He knows whether or not you're saved. And I want to remind you one more time that God is always around. He is omnipotent. He is thinking about you all the time. He is looking into your heart all the time. Hebrews 13.5 For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so, these disciples get to this point where they just can't take it anymore. What Jesus is saying offends them. Again, sound familiar? We're so wrapped up with being offended today in our society. Everybody's offended by everything everybody does. I have news for you. After 14 years as a pastor, 20 years now in the gospel ministry, I have found one thing to be true. Nothing offends people more than the truth. Tell a lie about me, I'm not offended. Tell the truth about me, and it's about one of my shortcomings, I get offended. And most of the time when you see somebody who's offended, they're offended because the truth has been spoken about themselves. They don't like it. 
The truth has been spoken about a position that they hold that they know deep in their heart is wrong, but they want it to be right. And Jesus is saying, I don't know what to do with you. I've told you. I've given you words that are spirit and life. (laughs) But there's some of you that don't believe because I know who you are. I know who you are. And in John 6, 66, strange that the verses would be numbered that way by the printers back in the old days. You know, the, your Bible doesn't have chapter and verses in the original languages. The chapters and verses were put in by printers so they could more easily find where they were as they set the type. But strange that as the printers set the type, this particular verse becomes John six six six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Don't think that that happening, don't even think that Judas's betrayal surprised Jesus. It hurt him, but it did not surprise him. You go all the way back to John chapter 2 when we were there in verse 23. It says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles he did, but Jesus didn't commit himself to any of them because he knew all men. And he didn't need that any man should testify of him, for he knew, <laughs> he knew what was in man, what was in a man's heart. And so Jesus isn't surprised by what's about to happen. And I, when you engage in church life, I want you to be wary. I want you to understand and don't be surprised when people change, when people leave, when people get hurt at things that you don't understand why that would hurt them. Because that's just human nature. And God knows what's happening. And He has a plan in all of it. And so Jesus says, you're offended. Well, sorry, bye, guys, but I'm just telling you the truth. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for, for, you know, offending you because I just spoke the truth. You're, just, you're offended at God. You're offended at the truth of this universe. And He says, you know, you're not coming to me. I know you're not coming to me. And the reason you're not coming to me is because you won't listen to the Father, so you can't be drawn to me. And, and, and nobody comes to me except the Father gives him to me. And there's, a, there's the litmus test of salvation. You can go to church. You can say the prayers. You can give the money. You can serve on the serve teams. You can go on mission trips. You can do all these things. But unless the Spirit of God draws you and you answer that call... You can't be saved. 1 Corinthians 3.3 Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now I believe that God puts the call out to everybody, but not everybody responds. God puts the call out to everybody. Jesus died. 1 John chapter 2 Jesus died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Revelation chapter 22 Whosoever will may come. Anybody can get saved, but not everybody hears that voice, that drawing of the Spirit. Jesus said, you, you, you can't come to me except it was given to me of my Father. And you're, just, you're not the ones that He knows will come to me, so you're not going to come to me. That's just all there is to it. And so we get to John six sixty six, and from that time, many of His disciples went back and walked with Him no more. Now, verse 67, which we'll get into in the next podcast, seems to indicate the only ones left now were the twelve. 
And that's quite a church split, wouldn't you say? I mean, we're talking about Jesus Christ, the, the, the greatest preacher who ever walked the face of this earth. And he gets up to thousands, 5,000 fed, 4,000 fed, 5,000 fed. That means there's probably fifteen to 20,000 people walking around, following him all the time. And he tells the truth and everybody but the 12 leaves. So why would people follow him for such a long time and then leave? Well, it comes down to this. They're following for all the wrong reasons. They're not following because they love the Lord. They're not following because they, they, they desire spiritual teaching. They're not following because they're grateful and thankful for the life that God gave them and for the salvation He offers. They're wanting to get their needs filled instead of serving God. That's all there is to it. I mean, you go back a few verses in John chapter 6, and Jesus says, you're not coming because, you know, you believe. You're coming because you saw the miracle of the fishes and loaves, and you want me to feed you again. See, sometimes folks come to Jesus, they come to church, just because they want their needs filled instead of serving God. When I was a young preacher, just starting a church back in 2001, 2002, I had a lady call the church and say, look, I'm, you know, my family, we've been, we're Christians uh, for years, and we've been in lots of churches serving, and, and we have two teenage boys, and and we saw your uh, your advertisement, your flyer, and we thought, this is a young church plant, this is an exciting thing, and we just want to know what kind of um, ministries you have for teenagers. And I said, well, ma'am, I don't have any ministries for teenagers. She said, why? I said, I don't have anybody to work it. I mean, we're small. We've got a couple. We got a couple dozen people. That's it. And, you know, we're not that big a church. I said, but why don't you come and help us get started with it? Oh no, I can't do that. My boys need a, a, a an involved program right from the start right now. And so I'm sorry, preacher. We can't come to your church. Hung up, and I thought, mm. well, that's looking for church for all the wrong reasons. My dad, Dave Mason, Sr. He made this statement one time when I was talking to him about some issues I had in the ministry. He said this, When are people going to get it through their mind that you don't go to church to get? You go to church to do. I like that. You don't go because you want something from it. You go because you love God so much you want to give something back. Ernest Pickering in his book for the hurting pastor and those who heard him wrote this, Today, perhaps more than ever, there seems to be a restlessness among the people of God, which is evidenced by a constant shuttling from one church to another. They don't like the pastor. The standards are too strict or too loose. The church isn't friendly enough. There's not not enough activity for the youth. And a thousand and one other reasons. Part of the problem is this. Many saints view the church as primarily a place where their personal needs will be met. For them... Church membership is a purely one-way street. What can I get out of it? If I'm not receiving what I think I should be receiving, I'm going to go elsewhere. There seems to be little thought of service, dedication to a cause, and loyalty, good old-fashioned commitment to our church. And I find that true so much. Jesus was starting a band of brothers. He was putting together an ecclesia, a mob. He was putting together a group of people bound by a common goal, which was to glorify God and and spread His Word to everybody. But it turns out not everybody was on board. Most were in it for what they could get. 
those people quit. And if you've been in church any long time, you know there are people who come and they seem to be on fire for God in three, six, eight months, a year, and then suddenly they drop and they're gone and they never come back to church and they're out of church for 30, 40, 50 years, die without ever going back to church. Why is that? Well, they left us to prove that they were not of us, Scripture says. Many, many, many times that's because they weren't even saved. Many people come, and they're like the, the, the seed thrown into the stony ground. With joy, they receive the word, and they spring up, but they've got no depth. They never really actually got saved, and they wither away. A lot of folks just quit following Jesus because their feelings got hurt. I want to encourage you this week. Don't walk away from following Jesus just because your feelings got hurt. If you're going to be a grown-up, if you're going to be a Christian and grown up, your feelings are going to get hurt. That's all there is to it. Deal with it. Understand that as you read Scripture, you're not always going to agree with it. But you have to believe it. Because He's God and you're not. And He's always going to win. Amen? Thanks for listening this week. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.